Welcome to episode 34 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, Privy, the bathroom episode. Find out why this episode made it on our list of evergreen episodes. Then learn the answers to the top five potty questions, things to know before you go. Then the Summit Gear Review turns into the Summit Smackdown as two trowels go head to head as they battle for a place in your pack. On the Backpack Hack of the Week, we'll teach you a skill that Asians have known for centuries, if not millennia. And we'll wrap up the show with a little twist on trail wisdom. All this and that's about it today on the first 40 miles. So as I was doing the prep work for this episode and researching and typing up show notes, the question came into my mind, why are we even doing this episode? I mean, it's already an awkward subject. It's something that nobody really wants to talk about. I don't know, maybe our listeners really want to hear about it, but it's just awkward. Yeah, it is. It's funny, I'm thinking back to scout camp and, you know, the Kaibo was always a source of great fascination for 12-year-old scouts. Maybe we're not much better than 12-year-old scouts. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Well, I guess as I was prepping, I thought of three reasons why doing this episode was so important environment, anxiety, and education. When you use the bathroom outdoors, there are some environmental issues to take into consideration. Human waste does affect the environment, and definitely the number of people getting outdoors is growing, and so is our impact on those um, those areas, especially the high traffic areas. So we need to recognize our impact and do what we can to decrease the mark we leave on the land. I'm sure someone would ask, well, aren't humans just animals? And animals do it in the woods. And yes, that's true. The difference is that humans can become highly concentrated. I mean, there's only so many bears or cougars in a a particular area, but there can be a whole bunch of humans, especially since we all follow a trail, unlike the bears and the cougars. And so it, it becomes a problem because of the concentration, the number of people. The second reason we're doing this episode is because some people have anxiety about using the bathroom where there are no walls and no stalls. It's definitely different than your everyday experience in the bathroom. And there are some little changes that you'll have to make to make it, uh, I can't say a pleasant experience, but a a non-anxiety inducing experience. When I was a scout growing up, I just got used to, you know, going in the woods somewhere and, and was fine with it. Didn't have any anxiety. And then After several years of not really doing much backpacking, that was actually something that I thought about uh, last summer when I was preparing for our 40 miler. And I felt myself getting a little anxious, wondering if I was going to be uncomfortable and kind of not really remembering how I did it as a scout. And the third reason that we're doing this specific episode is for education. If you know before you go, then you'll have all the tricks and the tips and the tools, and you'll have a less negative impact on the environment, less anxiety, and just a better overall experience on the trail. 
So the main difference that people notice right off the bat is there are no toilets out in the woods and we don't use one on the trail unless you happen to be staying in a camp. You're doing some kind of loop and there's a a waypoint where you stop and you get to camp in a nice facility that has a a vault toilet and running water maybe. But, you know, the, the toilet doesn't even go back that far in history The first modern chair-like toilet was invented by John Harrington back in 1596, and I'm sure it didn't catch on for a while. But really, squatting is traditionally how it's done, and that's traditionally how it's still done out in the woods. In fact, my sister-in-law introduced me to a product called the Squatty Potty. Um, You use a toilet, but you um, use this stool no pun intended, (laughs) underneath the toilet to lift up your feet so you're basically in the squatting position, but still using the toilet, which I think is kind of interesting that, you know, we have this modern contraption and then we have this other contraption that mimics what we used to do back in the days before our toilets. Yeah, so you sit on the toilet, but you put your feet on top of this stool, so it changes your posture. Exactly. Actually, it's kind of fascinating if you read a little bit more about squatting. I guess it kind of takes the kink out of the hose, so to speak, and lines up things better for better elimination. In fact, it can even help prevent things like constipation and hemorrhoids, appendicitis. I mean, it's just kind of interesting how some of those old ways that we did things before these newfangled inventions came may be better for our health. So you take a 400-year step back in time to the way people always did it. And uh, yeah, I think it just takes some getting used to. Today's top five list is the top five privy questions, or the top five things to know before you go. So let's start with uh, number one, which is what about privacy? Privacy really is an issue for most people. Nobody wants to uh, be exposed in the woods. If you're wondering how far to go, kind of the safe distance, there's kind of a one, two, three rule. And that's find a place at least 100 feet from camp and from the trail, 200 feet from water sources, and 300 feet if you are in big predator country and want to avoid attracting animals who are curious about interesting scents. So one, two, three, 100 feet from camp, 200 feet from water, and 300 feet from your campsite if you're in big predator country. Before you leave, you're going to want to tell someone else in the group where you're going. If it's dark, you could even ask someone to accompany you, and then always take a flashlight with you. You know, there's kind of the stereotype that girls always go to the bathroom in groups, but that's really not a bad idea out on the trail to to have a buddy. Um when you head out to go to the bathroom so that each of you can take a turn looking out for the other's privacy so that there's just less worry about, oh, is someone going to come down the trail? And if you've got your buddy kind of looking out for you, then I think it gives you a little more uh, confidence, I guess, and less anxiety. Well, one of the things that I think would be helpful is an umbrella that can provide a little bit of privacy. So uh, trying to figure out how to say this, I, I think the privacy stuff is maybe it's a little different out in the woods, or at least after you've been out for a while, you kind of get into a little bit different groove uh, when it comes to privacy issues. And I I don't know if I'm really saying that you become... uh, Less inhibited? Yeah, yeah, or that that you 
that you don't want privacy as much or that privacy is just something that goes away. That's not really it. It's just that when you're out in the woods, there's just you're away from society and away from civilization. You're not surrounded by hundreds of people all the time. When you're at home or at work, you know, you're in the city, literally there's hundreds of people all around. And so even in a public restroom, there's all this noise going on. And and it's really comforting to have those four walls around you um, to have that privacy because you are constantly aware of all the humanity around you. And out in the woods, I think at first you kind of bring that that privacy sense with you. And then over time, you realize that you really are out in the wilderness and that there's not tons of people around and that it's really rare that you're going to run into even one or two other people. And so you you start to become a little more comfortable with the fact that your privacy in the woods is sort of automatic. It's already there by the fact that there's not so many people. And so after a while, then you do start to feel comfortable, um, you know, when you come across uh, the occasional toilet with a view. I've, I've come across these, you know, where there is actually a toilet that's been, well, not a ceramic <laughs> porcelain toilet, but, but a wooden box that's been put somewhere way up in the mountains. And usually they put it somewhere with a really nice view. <laughs> and so you can just see like all across, you know, a canyon or something with a mountain on the other side while you're sitting on this thing. And yeah, that seems really exposed. But on the other hand, by the time you've been hiking enough days to get to that toilet, you have realized that there's like nobody else out there and nobody's going to see you. <laughs> and so you, you do become a little more comfortable with it. If there is a privacy breach, most people will look away. I think everyone just kind of has that. Yeah, yeah, that sense of courtesy. Right. Yeah, definitely. So that's privacy. Uh, so let's move to the number two question on our things to know before you go list. And that is, what about supplies? What do you need to bring with you? Well, the first thing I'm going to list is a little bit controversial because some people leave home without it. But I think toilet paper is one of the greatest inventions of all time. You really want to choose your toilet paper wisely before you leave because some breaks down better than others. There are some toilet papers out there that are super cushy, squishy, soft, stretchy, and those have additives and they don't break down in a septic tank and they will take much longer to break down in the out of doors. So I would like to recommend the cheapest toilet paper there is out there, Scott's One Ply. And that breaks down faster than those plush papers. Some people even use pages from the old Sears catalog. That's an option for sure. But uh, if you just take a half roll of Scott's One Ply and stick it in a bag, I think you'll be good. Yeah, toilet paper is an essential for me. I All of the inconvenience that it saves, not just inconvenience, but possibly a mess and possibly other issues, uh, sanitary issues, you know, even considering environmental concerns, it really is the best option. Just have toilet paper with you. Uh, but one tip, check your toilet paper before every trip because you end up using a little bit on every trip and you're usually bringing a very small roll because you don't need an entire full roll of toilet paper on any trip. And, and so what happens is you use up a little bit each time and then you don't realize until you need it that you only have like three squares left. So always double check before you go on a trip to make sure you've got enough on the roll to cover that trip. Definitely people will try and convince you that there are toilet paper alternatives, 
Um, but on our trip to the Redwoods, uh, Josh and I went off on a little, you know, a short hike to go see a little view. It was a huge view, actually. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I needed to use the restroom and I didn't bring, you know, my stuff with me because it was just a short ways from camp. I was like, okay, well, I'll just try greenery, shrubbery, leaves, whatever. I'll just use what's out there. So I grabbed some moss and um, not to be too graphic, but moss leaves a lot behind. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> toilet paper doesn't. So uh, that was my experience with moss, and I don't think I'll be using moss again. Definitely it was not not as uh, abrasive as a pine cone would be or uh, wasn't as soft as a leaf, but it was still, yeah, I thought it was a good a good option, but yeah. But not nearly as not good as Not nearly as great as toilet paper. So yeah, I'm sticking with the teepee. Well, another supply you might want to bring with you is a trowel. And a trowel is important for digging those nice cat holes. Typically, you'll dig a hole uh, six to eight inches deep. And that's because in those first six to eight inches of soil, that's where all the bacteria is. If you end up digging it any deeper, then you're going to miss out on some of that bacteria that's going to break down what you've just put in the hole. So six to eight inches, dig it with a nice trowel. You can certainly use a stick to dig the hole. You can also use your trekking pole to kind of scratch a hole out, but sometimes it's nice just to have a tool that does the job. And then for convenience, you'll also want to bring hand sanitizer or just rubbing alcohol in a squeeze bottle. You can also bring soap if you're kind of a minimalist. Soap and water definitely does the trick. And if you are somewhat new to backpacking or going in the woods and you are a woman, then you are welcome to bring an STP device, which we talked about recently in our women and backpacking episode. That was episode 25. And we also covered some feminine hygiene uh, concerns as well in that episode. And as long as we're talking about bathroom supplies, we might as well talk about the Trekker's Trots, because this may require a couple extra supplies. Trekker's Trots is the term for diarrhea that you get on the trail. And a lot of people think that um, diarrhea on the trail is caused by Giardia, but Giardia actually doesn't set in until after you've left the trail. Usually I think it's about seven to 10 days that it takes for those bugs to kind of uh, affect you. So usually when you have the trekkers trots, it's more likely that you got it from eating without washing your hands or letting someone else eat your food <laughs> without <laughs> them washing their hands and things just kind of get passed around. Either way, it's not pleasant and you'll want to bring electrolytes, some kind of, you know, drink powder that you can mix in and replace those electrolytes that you're losing quickly. You may want to have some first aid balm in your uh, 10 essentials that you can just apply with a cotton ball um, or toilet paper, and then maybe a small squirt bottle. So we've covered several supplies. I would say on the minimalist end, it's toilet paper, and maybe you can find a stick in the woods to use as a trowel. Uh, but for improved convenience, bring a trowel as well, and then some something to uh, to sanitize your hands when you're done. But You've mentioned a few extras, the STP device for women and uh, something to handle if you get diarrhea. In any case, uh, we don't recommend bringing baby wipes with you. They are not something that you can just bury and leave in the woods, so you'd have to pack them out. And one last thing, you're going to want to put your toilet paper inside of a quart 
freezer Ziploc bag to keep it dry. Oh, good point. All right, should we move on to question number three? So when I'm at home, I can just push the handle and it flushes and everything magically disappears. What do I do on the trail? What about flushing, quote unquote? What you're asking is, how do I get rid of this stuff? So if you want to help things break down faster in the soil and have a lighter impact on the area in which you're backpacking, then really stirring things up is the way to do it. So after you've dug your cat hole and you've filled it with your human waste and your toilet paper, you'll want to take a stick and incorporate, I'm sorry, this is just gross. You'll want to take a stick and kind of incorporate the bacteria that's already in the soil into what you've just deposited in the soil. And you'll definitely want to fully bury your toilet paper in that hole so you don't contribute to things like toilet paper flowers, which you sometimes see blooming on the trail. They're these beautiful white flowers that you see from a distance, and then you get up a little bit closer and you're like, oh, that's toilet paper. Great. Another important reason to stir it up and incorporate the waste into the soil is that if you don't, sometimes animals will dig up that spot to search for undigested food. So definitely the more you can incorporate the waste into the soil, the faster it'll break down and the less chance you have of spreading diseases and those germs that are in human waste. And just so you know, you really only need to dig a hole if it's solid waste it's liquid waste, you don't need to dig a hole. Well, our uh, number four question for things to know before you go is what about the environmental impact? Uh, What kind of impact are we leaving and what can we do to mitigate that impact? And so you've shared a couple things already around this idea of things that you can do to help the waste decompose more quickly. Uh, So that's a great tip. What else um, do you have in mind? Most of our backpacking is in the forest. And so definitely things just decompose faster in the forest. However, if you want to go desert backpacking or alpine backpacking, those ecosystems, those areas are a lot more, um, they're slower to recover. They're a lot more fragile. Maybe the, the soil crust is really thin. Those ecosystems may require you to pack out your human waste. And there are different ways of doing this. Uh, I wanted to get through this whole episode without saying the word poop. That was my one goal. But uh, you can use a poop tube. And that's where you stow all of your waste in this tube that hopefully won't leak. Because I can't imagine anything worse than that. Or there's also something called a go anywhere kit. Which, I mean, some of this stuff is a little beyond what we typically cover in the show. But just so you know, it's, it's meant for situations where you can't leave your human waste behind on the trail. So it's basically a bag that you use that has some gelling agent inside of it that gels everything instantly and deodorizes it fairly well, I've heard. <laughs> and then it has some other things like they include toilet paper and a hand wipe with it. You know, that's an option, definitely, if you're going to be, if you if you really want to minimize your impact on a trail. So for most of the backpacking that beginning backpackers do, um, that's usually not necessary. You're going to be in the woods somewhere, or you'll have occasional access to facilities along the way. But uh, just something to keep in mind that there are products available 
for those uh, desert or alpine or other situations where an especially low impact has to be a concern. All right, the last question on our top five list of privy questions. Bear Grylls did it. Should I? So what did Bear Grylls do, and, and should I do it? No. So he is famous. He's a, he's a TV personality that's kind of a survivalist, and I guess he does really entertaining, wild things on his show. And, but he's famous for drinking his own urine. And um, people have said that he didn't survive because he drank his own urine. He survived in spite of drinking his own urine. So it really is not a good idea, not a great habit to get into. First of all, urine isn't sterile. Second of all, it has some negative side effects, which include some of those classics, diarrhea, fatigue, fever, muscle soreness, and those symptoms will just increase with the amount of urine ingested. Yeah, it holds all the stuff that your body needed to get rid of and just enough water to carry that stuff out. So you drink it again and your body is going to have to get rid of it again and it's going to have to use the water to get rid of it. It's just a a zero-sum game there. So anyway, there are better ways to get water if you are desperate for water in the forest. One of the coolest ways that I I would love to try sometime is just um, if you get up really early in the morning and everything is covered with dew, you just tie like a bandana around each of your ankles and you walk around and you collect that morning dew and then you can drink it. Well, we decided to shake up the Summit Gear Review today and do the Summit Smackdown. So we are putting two items head to head and we are going to see what happens. Actually, we're not, we're not picking a winner. We'll let our, our listeners pick the winner. So both of these items are for going in the woods, but they could probably have other uses. We've picked two trowels that would be good options to bring on a backpacking trip. And a trowel is important because it allows you to dig a cat hole and and do it in a way that's leave no trace. A lot of times you can push the trowel down into the soil and lift up one solid divot of grass or of uh, earth. And then when you're done using the bathroom and you've stirred up all your stuff in the hole, you can just put that whole top right back onto the hole and leave the vegetation intact. So for both of these pals... Pals that we've tricked. (laughs) Pals that we've tricked. Pals that we've tricked. (laughs) Who were they? (laughs) I don't know. Colin? Colin. Oh, that's terrible. What's his name? (laughs) Anyway, we we haven't tricked any pals. So for both of these trowels that we've picked, uh, we're going to run through the summit criteria, the structure, utility, mass, maintenance, investment, and trial. And uh, Heather is going to share information about the deuce of spades. And I'm going to share information about the big dig titanium trowel. Well, first off, I want to say that both of these trowels are created by guys who just love the out of doors. It was so much fun to talk to each of them and connect with them. And, uh, They have really great stuff on their websites, so we'll definitely hook you up with links to their websites and you can check out the other creative things that they're doing to uh, make your experience outdoors even better. So the Deuce of Spades is made of aluminum 
and it actually comes in seven different colors and it kind of has uh, ridges on it and a pointy tip and it is made in Colorado. The Big Dig Titanium Trowel, of course, is titanium rather than aluminum, so, you know, it gets cool points for that. Uh, it has a rounded tip uh, as opposed to a point, and it kind of has that heated metal look, that mix of uh, magenta and blue and stuff, so that looks pretty rugged, which is cool. Uh, the handle then is coated with uh, yellow plastic, so uh, you've got a little bit of a kind of a plastic grip to hold on to. Well, the Deuce of Spades has a little bit wider handle and definitely a much larger scooping surface. And like I said, it has a pointed tip so that you can really dig into the ground. And the, the Big Dig is a little more narrow and longer, uh, but you've got that nice um, plasticized grip up on top. The Deuce of Spades is 0.6 ounces. It's about two and a half inches wide at its widest spot and six and three-fourths inches long. The Big Dig is also 0.6 ounce. Uh, it's a little longer, seven and a quarter inches, a little narrower at two inches. Uh, it comes in a couple other variations as well. So you could get a smaller Big Dig, which would be, do they still call it a Big Dig? No. Oh, okay. So you can get a smaller titanium trowel that is uh, 0.4 ounces, uh, six inches long. And then they also have a larger size that's a full ounce. But this mid-range size that we're reviewing is the most popular size. And just so you get an idea of how much 0.6 ounces is, Deuce of Spades has a really great visual on their website that I love. So 0.6 ounces is 13 blueberries, or a slice of orange without the rind, or just barely over a tablespoon of water. So these trowels are super lightweight, and they're so, so strong, both of them. So for maintenance on the Deuce of Spades, I usually just wipe it off on a leaf. If there's clumps of dirt stuck to it, I just kind of wipe it off in the dirt or in the, in the vegetation. Yeah, and same thing for the Big Dig Titanium Trowel. Really easy to maintain. As far as investment goes, the Deuce of Spades is $20 plus $2.75 for shipping. You can also order multiple Deuces, Deuces of Spades. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. You can buy five at a time. The Big Dig Titanium Trowel is quite a bit more expensive, actually. It's $36. But it's titanium, and who doesn't want titanium? And for the trial of the Deuce of Spades... I really liked the color options. Um, I think it has a really beautiful design. Like this is one of those things you could just like string a little piece of ribbon, ribbon through and hang it on your Christmas tree. It's really just shiny, beautiful, and uh, it has a much more geometric feel, but still has the nice rounded edges. And I like that it has a point at the top so you can really get into the soil. Um, one of the nice little design touches that I like is instead of just having a hole drilled at the top, it actually has an eight-pointed star, which I thought was just a really nice design. And then, of course, on the back, it says the weight, and then it says where it's from, made in Colorado, that it's aluminum, and it says the Deuce of Spades on it. it has their little logo. And then I've really never had any bending issues with this. It really is a sturdy piece of equipment. Man, the Big Dig Titanium Trowel doesn't have any writing on it, and it just has a little hole in the handle. It doesn't have an eight-pointed star. But like I said, it's titanium. <laughs> and anyway, uh, when we tried, tried both of these out, uh, 
I really liked the rubberized handle on the Big Dig titanium trowel. I felt like that made it much more comfortable to use. The downside is that that rubberized coating peels off. And so we've actually removed all of the coating now because it started to peel. And so now it's just a piece of metal, which makes it uh, really no more different um, than the deuce of spades. It, we, we no longer have that nice comfortable soft yellow handle. But uh, it's well designed, well structured, it works well uh, for what it needs to do. And uh, if you're looking for the more rugged, more manly, I guess, trowel option, then this is the one. And both of these trowels are created by guys who just love the outdoors. And so I really feel like the more we can do to support these creative minds, then the more they'll be able to create. So the Deuce of Spades comes from the Tent Lab, and the Big Dig Titanium Trowel comes from Chi Wiz, which is spelled Q-I-W-I-Z. You really can't go wrong with either one. They're super lightweight at, at like half an ounce and uh, very well built and do a great job. For the Backpack Hack of the Week, we have the Asian Squat. So the Asian Squat is a... I want to say it's a variety or a variation of the American squat, but really, I bet the American squat is a variation on the Asian squat, because I know which one came first. Right, the Asians did everything first. So I guess in Asian countries, squatting is a form of sitting, relaxing, like they'll just squat when they're waiting for the bus, or squat when they're working on a project on the ground, or even squat to use a toilet. Some of the toilets um, may not be Western toilets. This squat is a little bit different than maybe what we're used to. And I've tried it and I haven't mastered it yet. And I don't know if it's because, you know, maybe different ethnicities have different body proportions and so they balance differently or if it's just a matter of trial and error and habit. And But I think I still have some learning to do to to get this just right. What you do is you put your legs about shoulder width apart and then you squat down with your heels flat on the ground and your backside is really close to your ankles so you're not you know leaning forward you're more uh, I guess upright and you can even hunch your shoulders forward but you you want your knees to be apart. And I've had the best success with this when I've put my arms like in between my legs and had them straight out, you know, so that it would be the perfect position for maybe um, starting a fire or working on your stove or something or using the bathroom. Yeah. So the big difference is that Americans tend to squat on our toes. So like all the weight is on our toes, our heels are up off the ground and we're kind of in that more forward like a cat ready to spring, I guess, so that sort of posture. And the Asian squat is that you're even further down to the ground, your feet are flat on the ground, and your legs are fully bent so that you're not really flexing your muscles while you're squatting. You're, it really is a sit. So the benefits to this squat is that it can actually be held longer than the traditional, we'll call it the American squat. <laughs> yeah, for what I mean, maybe it's the European squat too, but we don't know. <laughs> So with this squat, you're a lot closer to the ground, which means that if you're using this squat to go to the bathroom, you better dig your cat hole first so that you've, you're giving yourself a few inches of clearance to make things happen right. Was that... Uh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
So we hope you found lots of useful information today about a topic that's fairly maybe uh, embarrassing to talk about sometimes. Uh, but we will tell you that uh, even John Muir had something to say about this topic. He said, the mountains are calling and I must go. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or review us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. This episode is already taking a twist I don't want it to take. <laughs> trying to think if we need any kind of segue. You know, like get all excited, get psyched up for the smackdown. So the deuce of the deuce of spade. Try it again. Sounds like there's a dishwasher going down the street. Come on. Uh, I'm not going to engage. But you're. <laughs> oh, we're going to fight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>